Well, please remain standing and turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 11. We're going to read the first 13 verses. If you're using one of the church's Bibles, you'll find that on page 869. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Beloved, grass withers, flowers fade, but God's word, it is eternal, it abides forever. Let us give our full and undivided attention uh, to the hearing of God's word. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is a friend, yet because of his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So ends the reading of our God's word to us this morning. Let us ask his blessing on our time in it. Our gracious God, you who dwell within the pages of your word, we long to know you. We long to see you revealed within the scriptures. Open to us the beauty of your word. Open our eyes and our hearts to behold the King of glory. And give us faith to receive all that we hear and see, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Are you strong enough to ask for help? question might almost sound backwards, because we think of strength as not needing help. We think of those who are weak as the ones who need help, which is why we don't ask for it, because we want to appear strong. We want others to think that we don't need help, but of course, we all do. What's hard What takes strength, what takes courage, is admitting it. Our deacons, they get far more offers for help than they get requests. Now don't get me wrong, all of us should be offering to help, pitching in, using the gifts God has given us, the resources he's blessed us with. God commands that. But the problem comes not in that there are no needs, it's that people are afraid or unwilling to admit it when those times come and ask for help. Now, I'm not pointing fingers. 
because my family will tell you that I am the chief offender. I'm only asking if you struggle with similar things to me. Asking for help is hard. And this relates to our passage today. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer. The disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And his response is our guide for prayer. It's short, but it's profound. And as familiar as this prayer is to us, we struggle to follow its guidance. And so it's good for us to pause and once more to look at this well-known prayer. And as we do, we will see that prayer is this. It's, it's humbly seeking God's holiness and the strength to pursue it. It's humbly seeking God's holiness and the strength to pursue it. That's what I'm going to argue uh, this prayer could be summed up as. That's what prayer is, as our Lord teaches us. And we're going to begin by looking at why prayer is so hard for us, and then we'll turn to look at Jesus' instructions and what it teaches us to pray for. And then finally, I'd like to spend a few uh, minutes looking at the basis for our confidence in prayer, that why we believe God will answer it. That's what we want to do this morning. So why is prayer so hard? I have seldom met the person who thinks that prayer is easy. I've never met a person who is satisfied with his or her prayer life, feels they pray enough, they pray well. Prayer is a struggle. Why? Well, I think it goes back to where we started. Prayer is asking for help, and we hate asking for help. Prayer admits need, and we don't like to be needy. We don't like to admit we're needy. And yet I think there's something even deeper about why prayer is hard. Because prayer humbly asks, and when you ask for something, you confess that you have no leverage. In prayer, we ask for God, we ask God for things that he doesn't owe us. All we can do is say please and then wait. And we don't like being dependent on others. We don't like waiting. We don't like surrendering. And that's why prayer is hard. And yet prayer is the way of life. We hear God's command. Ask. Seek. Knock, and it will be given to you. And there's something in us that says, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. And yet everyone doesn't, only a few do. And we ask, why? And the answer is, because we're stubborn and we're proud. We would rather go without than humble ourselves and ask and beg. People love to give pious-sounding reasons why they don't follow God. There's so much suffering in the world. He allows all sorts of evil. He demands that people follow him or be punished. He's so judgmental, and on and on the list goes. But here's the thing. He has said 
Any who ask for grace and forgiveness will receive it. No cost. He has offered salvation freely to all, regardless of wealth, background, what language you speak, your education level. The only thing he requires is that we humble ourselves and ask. And that is hard. It takes takes strength. And most people would simply prefer to go without than to lower themselves and ask for help. Prayer isn't just hard. It's unnatural. Prayer is one of those things that we all think we know how to do. We think it's natural. Really what that means is we think that whatever comes out of our mouths, God should be pleased with. But Think about how many prayers are misguided. How many prayers are idolatrous? How many prayers, quite frankly, are sinful? The disciples at least were self-aware enough to know that they needed help. Lord, teach us to pray because we don't know how. They saw Jesus pray often and if he did it, it must be important. But they knew they needed instruction. And so they asked him to teach them to pray and he told them, when you pray, pray like this. Now we often call this the Lord's Prayer and that's fitting in a sense because it's the prayer that the Lord gave us to pray. But it's not the prayer the Lord prays. This isn't his prayer that he prays. This is the prayer he gave to sinners to pray. In the church I grew up in, we often talked about the sinner's prayer, the the prayer you're supposed to pray if you want to become a Christian. And it's good to confess your sin. It's good to ask for salvation. But I think we sometimes ran the danger of thinking that a sinner's prayer is something you pray once. Jesus gives us a sinner's prayer that we need to pray over and over and over again. It's a prayer that must inform all of our prayers. Yes, it's the Lord's Prayer, but, but it, it, because it's the prayer He gave us. But in another sense, this is a prayer that sinners are supposed to pray. This is a sinner's prayer. As we deal with sin in the world and as we deal with sin in our hearts, this is the prayer that our Lord gave us to, to try to, to utter our need and, and express our concern and our desires And this explains the content of the prayer. What exactly it is that Jesus teaches us to pray for. Much of this uh, this prayer could be summed up in one word and it's this, holiness. The first thing Jesus teaches us to pray is that God's name would be hallowed. That it would be considered holy. That it would be consecrated. Treated as holy. That it would be revered and honored. That God's name would be held high. First and foremost, prayer is about seeking the honor and the glory of God. It's about acknowledging His perfect holiness. That He is unique. That He is different. That He is unstained by sin. And that He is good and that He is right in all He does. And we are to pray 
that that reality would be acknowledged by all. And yet, how many of our prayers begin and end with us? How many of our prayers are more about our glory than God's? Oh, that we would learn what Jesus taught us and that our prayers would, would, would be more directed and fervently devoted to, to the glory of our God's name. But the Lord doesn't teach us to be content with God, God being honored as holy. He, wants that, he doesn't want that holiness to simply stay with God. He, he wants that holiness to come and to transform our world. That's what your kingdom come means. For God's kingdom in heaven uh, to come and to transform this world with its perfect holiness and righteousness and justice and goodness that all sin would be vanquished, that all enemies would be punished, that every vestige of rebellion would be quashed. Now let's be honest. That sounds great when we think about those who afflict us. When we think about those who mistreat Christians, when we struggle with pain and loss, when when people call us names or accuse us of all sorts of evil, it's then we cry out, Oh Lord, your kingdom come. But really that prayer is often more a prayer for our comfort than it is for God's glory. Because for us to really seek God's holiness in this world means seeking it in our own lives and our own hearts as well. We can't just ask God to deal with sin and rebellion out there and not ask him to deal with it in here, in us. And that's what verse 4 is all about. God's kingdom being manifested in our hearts and our lives. Lead us not into temptation. Help me battle this sin and its power in my life. Lord, make me holy as you are holy. Deliver me from the tyranny of sin. It's not enough for God to be spotless and perfect. We must desire to be as well. And that means we must seek forgiveness for our sins. We must seek mercy, that very mercy with which we can often be so uncomfortable, where we admit our failures, our rebellion, our sin, our pride. And it's there that we beg God not for justice, but that he would not judge us as our sins deserve. And we can't pray for mercy if we're not willing to show it. God has no patience for hypocrisy. And yet we're so good at it. We are particularly adept at pointing out the flaws in others and making excuses for our own sins. As bad as we are at accepting mercy, we're worse at showing it. Beloved, if we would be like God, we must not just delight in justice, but we must also delight in mercy. If we would be like our Heavenly Father, we must be quick to forgive the sins of others.
Prayer is not just acknowledging our need for mercy, but our need to show mercy. And this is hard. It's so hard to seek God's glory and not ours, to to seek the perfecting of this world and the perfecting of our hearts, to learn to show mercy to those who have hurt us, afflicted us, and wronged us. It's hard. And it takes strength, inhuman strength. And we're not strong enough. And that's what the middle request is about. Give us each day our daily bread. You see, strength comes from sustenance, from eating. Starve yourself and you will grow weak and you will die. This request is not so much um, simply about provision. It's about so much more. It's about the strength to do what's right. What we pray for in the rest of the prayer, we we pray for God's holiness uh, to be honored, to be shown, to be transforming. And if that's going to happen, we need strength. And that's what we're praying for here. There's There's a word in that statement, give us this day our daily bread, that just baffles interpreters. The word translated daily is not the typical word for daily. And it's not that Luke doesn't know the typical word. He uses it all over the place in his gospel and in the book of Acts. In fact, here and in Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer are the only places that these word, this word seems to ever show up in the Greek language. Some believe that that it was coined for this prayer. It may mean today's, but it might be best rendered tomorrow's. Give us each day tomorrow's bread. Perhaps that sounds familiar. Somewhere rattling around in the recesses of your biblical database, something about tomorrow's bread. Well, in Israel, wandering Uh, While Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, God provided for them each day some bread, except one day. And each day, there was always enough bread for that day. No one went hungry, but if they tried to stockpile, it it would spoil by morning. Except for one day, the day before the Sabbath. On that day, they were not just supposed to collect today's bread, but tomorrow's as well, and it wouldn't spoil, so they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. On on that day, God would provide them the Sabbath day's bread as well. What Jesus teaches his disciples to pray here echoes what Israel did each week when they would collect bread both for today and for tomorrow. And he's saying we're supposed to ask for this every day, And what I believe he is saying is this. If you are going to ask for the holiness of heaven in this life, you're not just going to need the bread of this world, but you're going to need the bread of tomorrow's world as well. You don't just need physical strength. You need spiritual strength. And that's why when he gets to verse 13, he suddenly says, how much more will the, Holy, uh, will, the, will the Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And that's not new. In fact, Moses told us that was the point of the bread in the wilderness. Do you remember what he says in Deuteronomy 8? God said that, that it was, um, 
It was there that his people were to learn to honor him in their hearts and life. And he says he fed them manna in the wilderness so they might learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The point of the manna was to learn dependence upon God to live in this world as children of heaven. And Jesus is saying, if you want God's holiness, if you want to fight temptation, if you want to learn how to forgive those who have wronged you and confess your sin when you fail, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You can't fight temptation without him. You cannot forgive sin without him. He is the bread of heaven. He is tomorrow's bread. And so you need him if you're going to seek God's holiness in this world and in your life. Yes, pray for bread today, actually earthly bread that God will provide. God provided Israel the manna in the wilderness. But if you think that that's all he's teaching us to pray for here, You've missed it. Because you need physical and spiritual strength. You need physical and spiritual bread. So what hope do we have that prayer works? That it's not just a fool's errand? What hope do we have that God will hear us, that he will answer us? I think the first thing is the fact that he invites us to call him Father. We are simply invited each and every day to come to him as the Father who loves us and cares for us. A Father who understands our needs and as a Father who delights in providing for us. Now, to illustrate this, Jesus tells a parable. And the point is to show the capacity of human sinners to show kindness to each other and then ask how much more the God who is holy and good is able to show kindness. And so he paints a picture of, of someone who has an unexpected, has unexpected guests and has no bread to offer. And if you think that Jesus' choice of bread to illustrate this point is, is a coincidence, I, you, you don't know Jesus. He knows what he's doing here. He's just told us to seek bread, and now he tells us a story about getting bread. <laughs> it's, but it's the middle of the night, and this person goes and knocks on his neighbor's door, begging for a few loaves of bread. And Jesus says, who's going to send his neighbor away without giving him bread? If for no other reason than to just get some sleep, he's going to give his neighbor bread and say, now go home and let me be. And then he drives the point home. What earthly father, when his children ask for fish or eggs, gives them a serpent or scorpion? That goes against the very nature of a father. Because a father loves his children. A father provides for his children. How much more does our, our heavenly father love and care for us? How much more will he provide what we truly need? His Holy Spirit. That's our confidence when we pray the love of our Heavenly Father. And He's not a distant God. He's not some angry judge. He, he, 
He is a loving father who delights in caring for his children. Your, your heavenly father loves you. And he calls you to pray and ask for help so that he might answer those prayers. He commands you, ask, seek, knock, and he will answer. When we learn to pray for what he wants, we we find that we receive exactly what we need. Pray for God's glory and you won't be disappointed. Pray for the strength to seek after him and he will supply it. But God's love by itself was not enough. Now that might sound shocking, but allow me just a minute to explain. God's love is great, it is wonderful. But by itself it's not enough. Because the one thing that he does teach us to pray in here is for the forgiveness of sins. And because God is holy, as we've already acknowledged, he can't just ignore our sins. That would contradict his nature. We can't pray, hallowed be your name and forgive us our sins unless God is willing to do something to deal with those sins and to pay the debt they owe. The Lord's Prayer, or as I'm calling it today, the sinner's prayer requires that something be done about our sin. So what is it? Well, I think we really get our first clue in verse 1. This passage opens with Jesus praying. And where did we start? Prayer is humbling. It's even humiliating. Prayer takes the posture of a beggar. Think about that. Jesus is, is the creator of the universe. And he humbles himself in prayer. He takes the form of a lowly beggar. He's already told us in Luke's gospel, just a chapter or two back, that he had no home, that he was not rich. For our sakes, he he became poor. Our Lord humbled himself in every possible way, and that is demonstrated in his willingness to do the very thing that we struggle so much to do, bow in prayer. And he didn't do it because he was needy. He humbled himself for our sakes, because he loves us. It was that willingness to be brought low that ultimately led him to give himself over to death on the cross for our sakes. Prayer was an act of laying down his life, and Jesus' entire ministry on earth was an act of humble self-sacrifice. When he calls you to humbly bow in prayer, He does not call you to do something that he was not first willing to do for you. When you come in prayer, you're following the pattern of the cross set by Jesus. Yes, it's humbling, but but God assures you, as we heard in our declaration of pardon this morning, that, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The reason, the only reason... People fail to obtain God's grace is because they're unwilling to humble themselves and ask for it. Pride is a killer. And prayer slays our pride. 
Is it really any surprise that before the Lord allows us to leave this morning, that he's going to feed us some bread first? As Jesus' time with his disciples came to an end, he he told them that it was better for him to depart, that he might send the Holy Spirit to be with them. The Holy Spirit is our first taste of heaven, our first taste of tomorrow's bread. And to help them understand all of this, he gave them bread as a promise of his presence with them until his kingdom fully comes. And so the Lord's Supper is meant to remind us that our life is not found in bread alone, but in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Each week as we come to the Lord's table, we're confessing our need for today's bread and for tomorrow's. We're confessing that we need the Holy Spirit And as we come, we're reminded of God's promise that he will surely give his Holy Spirit to all who ask. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you know our struggles to pray. You know we are tempted to seek our own glory above yours. You know how weak we are too weak to surrender, too proud to seek help, and we are the poorer for it. Teach our hearts to delight in nothing more than drawing near to you in prayer and confessing our weakness, our need, and your might and provision. Teach us the joy of asking for help and receiving it. Teach us the way of the cross that we might know the comforts of heaven. All this we ask through Jesus who humbled himself in prayer, who humbled himself on the cross, that he might give life to his people. Amen.